Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Brad, and happy May the 4th. Thank you so much for joining me on this very special day. On today's episode, we welcome back to the podcast author Amy Radcliffe, who's been extremely busy this year publishing a variety of Star Wars content. That work includes Ellie and Me, The Jedi Mind, and her first piece of Star Wars fiction, and from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back. But on today's episode, we turn our focus towards wild space as we discuss her latest book, The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, from Abrams Books. So I'm very excited to talk all things Black Spire Outpost, and without further ado, let's turn it right over to my interview with author Amy Ratcliffe. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. A certain point of view? Luke, you're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Joining me today for this very special May the 4th interview, I am so excited to welcome back to the podcast for the third time, Star Wars author Amy Ratcliffe. Amy, welcome back to Friends of the Force. Oh, I'm so happy to be here, Brad. Thank you for having me again. I just, it's always, I just always get the warm and fuzzies after I speak with you, so I'm really <laughs> glad to be here. You know, I'm, I was thinking at this point, I'm, I'm going to have to make like a Friends of the Force jacket, a Letterman jacket. <gasps> So when you hit yes. the three timers club, you get a special jacket. <laughs> I support this. So, I like jackets. I get yeah, cold yeah. easily. But you know, I'll make the nice earth the tone jacket because obviously we are here to discuss your newest book, The Art of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which you are adding into a, a collection, a long established collection of the Art of series, which has been around for so long. And it's full of so many wonderful pieces of concept art and interviews that have been done and and this is just such a wonderful addition to that and amongst the many things that you've written in the last year i'm pretty sure at this point for uh, since the pandemic started you've you've published the most of almost any star wars author out there which is just really exciting to see so first thing i want to ask is um how does it feel to finally have this book on shelves and and yeah just what is it what does it feel like to have it out for the masses it's always exciting and it's always the moment it feels real. Like I get my author copies and that's still like, oh, hey, it's a book. But it's not until like I see people post pictures of their copies and just talk about how they're excited to dig in and or they're flipping through and already showing me their favorite pieces of concept art. Like then I'm like, oh, yeah, we did this thing. And it's like just a great sense of accomplishment and also relief and also hoping that no one tags me in negative reviews, which hasn't happened yet. That does Good. sometimes. <laughs> but there's always like a little like, oh, I'm scared to read a review. But I'm going to assume if you tag me in it, hopefully it's nice. Um, <laughs> Keep it positive for sure. Yeah, that's, that's my, always my hope. Um, and you, you don't have to like the book and that's fine. Just don't tell me about it if you don't. I would like <laughs> to live in my little bubble where everyone loves it. And it, I mean, I like to say like it's just full of it's an art of books. So clearly it has a lot of art and it has like over 700 pieces, I think. So like the text is there and I'm proud of it. I, I tried to bring new stuff to it, but also if you just look at the art, it will hurt my feelings because it's really beautiful art. <laughs> well, the thing I love about the book is you, you start with how the park was created, which I love getting some of those details about how Imagineering took a trip to like Istanbul and Morocco and all these 
all these places and even worked with the Lucasfilm set designers after Rogue One wrapped up. So there's so much detail in there that you learn about what inspired the parks and just how much thought went into it. And I'm somebody that hasn't been to the park just yet. Obviously, the, the pandemic stalled some of those plans for celebration. But, you know, in a year when COVID's been around and you haven't been able to to visit parks, you know, how much did you pull on your own experiences from Galaxy's Edge that you had beforehand, as well as, you know, integrating all of this expertise that you were getting uh, during the process? Totally. I am just so grateful that I visited <laughs> Galaxy's Edge <laughs> multiple times because I I couldn't go during the pandemic. And that's largely, that's when I wrote this book. That's when I did all these interviews. So it was a lot of going back through oh, not only the photos I, I took, which are many, and that's, I don't have like the strongest memory. So a lot of how I retain things is like repeat exposure and photos. And I'd been to Galaxy's Edge I'd, uh, at least a dozen times. And I had a ton of notes also from before Galaxy's Edge opened in Disneyland, like a few months ahead of time, I was still working the Nerdist and they did this incredible press preview where they took us to Lucasfilm for a day and we heard from like Story Group and Doug Chang and just kind of various panels about which is awesome and then we went to Imagineering yeah it was like the best trip because then we went to Imagineering the next day back down to Glendale and we had panels there too with everyone from the folks who worked on the animatronics to the data pad to uh, actually getting to walk around the model shop and we saw pretty close to final Hondo Anaka. I think it was the Hondo that oh, they were wow. getting ready to ship to Walt Disney World. And it was just like, and DJ Rex. So we got to see those animatronics <laughs> and it was like incredible. And then the day after that, we got to go to Disneyland and we did an on-site tour and we had to like have very specific like construction attire because it was still a construction site. So there was very strict rules about what kind of footwear we could have. And that was like three months ahead of opening. So there was still work to do. And we did a tasting after that of a lot of the food, like in a conference room in the Grand Californian Hotel. So perfect. Having, yeah. So just like, <laughs> it's a long way to say like having that experience in my pocket. And then shortly thereafter, going to work for Disney Yellow Shoes and getting to spend a lot of time in Galaxy's Edge in the week before it opened, like literally like six days, 12 hour days that I was just there mm -hmm. and wandering around when we weren't shooting. And I had, I couldn't take pictures because we weren't allowed. So that was really like a lot of like me, like actively saying like, look at this and remember this because you can't take pictures. So all of that. And then all my trips just as a fan, mm -hmm. I'm grateful. Like I said, that I had that because it informed the outline of the book 100% because my editor at Abrams and the, the designer for the book hadn't been yet. So they were really relying on me to say like, okay, here's the outline. Which of these thousands of images that WDI, like what possibilities could we put in this section of the book? Um, so I, cause I really outlined the book by as if I were walking around the land and the kind of different areas. Right. Yeah. And I love how it's structured like that. It kind of takes you through. It's not as like, you know, chronological in terms of, you know, starting in in 2014, now 2015. You know, it's not like that compared to some of the the movie art of books, which I do think follow more of a chronological structure. But it does feel like, yeah, you're just walking through the park as you read this book. And that's that's so wonderful. But like, what is your you know, you mentioned just as a fan of the parks, too, like what what does Disney parks mean to you? And 
how do you think eventually getting to something like a Star Wars expansion made sense for for Star Wars fans? Like, what sort of magic does it add to this franchise, even just based on, you know, growing up, going to the parks and going to the parks as an adult? Yeah, it's, you know, one of my early visits to Disney parks. I, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, so we were closer to Walt Disney World. And I went there as a kid with my mom. And then fast forward, like, to when I was 10 years old, and we came out to Disneyland. Uh, we actually came out to San Diego for a cousin's wedding, but I was 10 years old. So I didn't really care about that. I was like, <laughs> we're going to Disneyland. <laughs> Let's get there right now. Come on. <laughs> um, and that was my first, I, I rode Star Tours with my cousin while we were there. And that's my first memory or, you know, my first experience with anything Star Wars related was at a Disney park. And then I moved to LA in 2007 and very <laughs> shortly thereafter became a pass holder. And just spent a lot of time in Disneyland and Disney's California Adventure too, but especially Disneyland, it's a small, cozy park. I learned a lot more about Walt Disney and his vision and just kind of really in those early years in LA, like inhaled like a ton of Disneyland history books and just felt it was a very, like, I just felt very special when I was there and very cozy and I love going on Star Tours. I remember when they when they remade Star Tours into the the Adventures Continue and they reopened it on a Friday. And I decided like at the end of the day, I'm like, I because all day I was like, I gotta work. It's clients are gonna be long. I don't wanna be there. But then after I got <laughs> off work, I'm like, I do wanna be there. <laughs> and waited in three hours in line. And I remember that Sam Whitwer was also in line. And at that point, he, I think he just done the sun. And I was absolutely the person in the gift shop that you exit into. I was like, you're the sun on Clone Wars and you're cool, right? Okay, bye. <laughs> um, so I thought that was awesome. And That's amazing. So cool. And that was just a piece of, you know, there's that. And there's um, Lucasfilm also, of course, worked with Disney Parks on the Indiana Jones attraction, which is incredible. Right. Uh, Captain EO, which I don't have strong memories of um, other than YouTube, but that was something. And so when we found out that Lucasfilm and Disney were going to become one, that was kind of the, I remember the early kind of rumblings among fandom. I was like, are we going to get more Star Wars? We just, I just thought attractions. I'm like, oh, we're going to get more Star Wars rides. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But to get a whole land, like, get a whole land and not just like but like a land you can go in and like pretend you're in star wars right i think i think that's awesome like i love going on star tours i really miss star wars weekends i only went once but having that kind of more immersive experience rather than just a celebratory one like it's just special and you can kind of do the world tour and see all the greatest hits but this book I think it was Scott who talked about it. Scott Tobridge mentioned very clearly this was this isn't meant to be a greatest hits because we weren't in those places when those things were happening. So Bot 2 is supposed to be a place where, yes, there's a lot of history here, but also you can be a part of the history that's being made. You know, you can leave your mark on this world and then want to come back just as if you were in in Star Wars. Like, do you do you love that approach? You know, even just in your discussions on the book and, and just kind of what you learned. Like, do you feel like that's the the best approach for for Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, uh, though I want to say you, you mentioning like how it could have been like maybe this different like made me just want like an Epcot World Showcase, but it's just Star Wars locations <laughs> would be <laughs> that'd be so cool, incredible. 
But I think for Galaxy's Edge, as much as there is that part of me, of course, that's like, but I want to visit the Rebel Base on Hoth, or I want to walk into the most likely Cantina or Jada's Palace. And, you know, Scott and Chris Beatty was another Imagineer who talked to talked with me about it a lot. Just like we know what happens already in those stories, and if you go in to a Tatooine, you're going to be thinking about Luke's story uh, or. Anakin's and that's not a bad thing but it does kind of take you out of the driver's seat in a way and they really wanted to put guests visiting the parks and be like I can be my own hero just like everyone else in Star Wars who's like anyone can make a difference is kind of you know a, a big theme in Star Wars and to kind of transfer that onto the guest like I think like I said again there's part of me that's like yeah I want to visit an Ewok village 100% <laughs> Give me like an Ewok treehouse, like the Swiss Family Robinson one. Um, <laughs> I need pictures with Chief Chirpa for sure. Yes, please. <laughs> All the selfies I can. <laughs> but I think they just gave themselves more opportunity by opening up Galaxy's Edge to a new place. And you kind of feel like, as a guest, like you have more to explore too. Like you're looking with different eyes. You're not looking at something where you expect to see um, a certain building or or a set piece. It's all new so you kind of go in with a more curious nature i think mm-hmm. instead of like trying to be like yep there's this thing i know and this other thing um while still of course feeling very star wars because freaking doug <laughs> doug Chang and eric timmons worked on it so of course it feels of the universe yeah yeah and and one of your one of your quotes that you pulled from from scott tobridge as well he said you know this is supposed to be a place of not just one adventure but many many adventures so when we talk about if you go to Tatooine and you you explore a Luke's adventure, you know what brings you back that second or third time. Whereas Batu, I think the great thing about it is because it is something new to discover every single time, and that's I think why the park will be more sustainable than if it were just the greatest hits or if it were just the same locations. Because like, what's going to keep bringing you back if it's just that? As much as I do want to play the drums with the Ewoks uh, I, you know they could always throw that in if they want to at some point you know I'm sure the Ewoks made a trip or a vacation to uh, Batu at some point I want to rewind back to when you first got involved in the project so how did how did this originally come about for you and what were some of those early days like because I, I know you mentioned in your uh, your newsletter which for anybody listening should obviously sign up for Amy's newsletter it's Thank fantastic you. it's Thank really really good vibes but you mentioned that you did uh, 17 interviews, I think, within like a week time frame, which is just like, I, I can't imagine that as a podcaster myself. I'm like, I can't. That's so many interviews. But what, what were those early days like? You know, as has been my experience with in nearly every Star Wars project I've done so far, it takes a little while to like get things going and you get approvals and then it's due very quickly. <laughs> uh, so you have to jump into action. and. This book was something, even before they brought me on, that I believe Lucasfilm and Imagineering had been discussing for probably a couple of years. And if you have timing and, you know, Imagineering doesn't traditionally share their concept art to this, not to this degree or extent, at least. They share the occasional piece here and there on Disney Parks blog and let us get a peek in. But it's, and certainly they keep all of it. They keep archives and assets but I think there was a conversation like how like do we want to do this like we want to do this but do we you know but do we really want to and so by the time I came on which 
Lucasfilm kindly asked me, Mike Seglane, um, the director of publishing at Lucasfilm, who's just always been a great supporter and champion for me. I think I had tweeted uh, the summer before, what year was that, 2019, about kind of have those like shoot your shot tweets once in a while. And I wanted to work on a kids, a Star Wars kids picture book, a Star Wars like reference, like a making of kind of book and, and something that was non-Star Wars. And Mike was like, I can help you with a couple of those. And he did. <laughs> it just like, just takes a while to come to fruition. So I right. had also been working with with Scott and um, some other folks at Imagineering through my position at Disney Yellow Shoes in working on the ad advertising campaigns for Galaxy's Edge. So that certainly helped. So by the time I came in, they had all the art, like like the art that we were going to select from for the book, like organized and we we're just kind of ready to get going. And then I like had to do an outline and then you wait and then it's like, okay, now it's time. And I was like, oh, the deadline was pretty <laughs> aggressive. I'm like, that's a lot of interviews I want to do. And that's a lot of schedules to wrangle. But across the board from Lucasfilm to Imagineering, I had a wonderful PR rep help me in Imagineering, wrangle all the interviews with Disney folks. And that initial batch was like, yeah, like 17 in a week. And I mean, that's like a week, not even like counting business days. It was probably like five business days. Yeah. And that initial push was like two it was like you know we didn't have the art we didn't certainly have any kind of book design then so it was really like trying to go big picture and then I revisited you know did follow-up interviews with several of those folks too once we had kind of the rough layout to, to do zoom calls and screen shares and be like okay let's talk about this piece um that you probably worked on conservatively four to five years ago <laughs> tell me what you were thinking um they all have much better <laughs> memory re memory <laughs> retention than I do. So it was daunting, especially when it was like, okay, we got to transcribe these. And, and even though I sent like a good portion of them off to be transcribed, like when you get them back, like organizing, like all these different pieces to try to <laughs> bring something together that makes sense. Yeah. was daunting. <laughs> Yeah, well, and as you mentioned too, uh, Eric, who was your your editor at Abrams Books, you know, was as the pages were getting laid out, you're getting those updates. So I'm sure it was always evolving, always having to do some follow up interviews here and there. And um, you know, as you close in on that deadline, it gets a little nerve wracking, but it's also I'm I'm sure part of the excitement of getting what you need and that satisfaction of of completing it by the end. You know, all of the hard work, which is definitely very apparent. I mean, you talk to like you said all these different Imagineers, Lucasfilm creatives. I mean, Scott Tobridge, Carrie Beck, Doug Chang, um, Pablo, and, and, and Margaret Carrison. Like, what is it like being surrounded by, by these people and, and working with them? And like, how did each of them bring a unique perspective to the book? Like, do you feel like you needed all, all of the input that you, you got? And it couldn't, couldn't have just been from the Imagineers and it couldn't have just been from Lucasfilm. It really had to be as collaborative for this book as it was for, for for building the parks. Yeah, I feel like it had to be that way, just kind of to your point, to reflect how it came together. And because, you know, I come at these books from having a, a kind of, in my reporting background, I wanted as much information as possible. And it was challenging for me to keep on task. And as far as it being like, this is an art up book, it's not a comprehensive making up book. Like there's overlap to be sure, but this is not the place for me to go super granular on 
how the park was actually built. We're here to show off all this concept art. And kind of by talking to such a breadth of folks who were involved, I did get like this, you know, I talked to someone who worked on fonts and who kind of like, okay, we need to like make Orabesh like a little differently for this. And we also have to make sure like, it's like legible for those people who, who actually want to read it or want to type it into the datapad app to, of course, like the, the Doug Changs who are looking at like the overall design and inspiration. And so it's also kind of comes from like, okay, you have so many talented artists and designers and you have um, like someone like Margaret Carrison, who is the managing story editor who you can point, I'm pretty sure, to a single rock in Galaxy's Edge. And she has like, oh, yeah, we thought about X, Y, and Z. So I, I think her job is super cool. And she's super cool and just had a wealth of information, like, from their early days of this is what we were thinking when we designed this area. This is kind of what we had in mind. And... You know, you have like Chris Beatty, a, a creative director who kind of was there from the beginning and, and just super enthusiastic. And they, everyone was, was so passionate and excited to talk about their involvement in the project. But I really did need that. Here's where we were coming up with the big picture. And this is how we talked about it with, with Bob Iker. And this is how we translated that to, you know, images that we were inspired by, places that we were inspired by to, and this is how we designed the datapad app or the font on the sign in Oka's Cantina. And I just fangirled uh, the whole time because Disney Parks and Star Wars is like where it's at for me. And I have a huge respect, you know, for Imagineering. And I feel like if you're into Disney Parks, you kind of like think about Imagineering with like starry eyes, like, because they're just like, oh, wow, they come up with so much cool stuff and they like invent things and problem solve. So, Oh, uh, I was really like, okay, I get to talk to all these folks. I like have a valid excuse to this. It's great. <laughs> I didn't have the luxury to go to Disneyland or, or Disney World a lot growing up. I've only been to each of the parks once, but watching the Imagineer story when it came out on Disney Plus, uh, when I like that was the first time I had really, I hate to admit it, learned about the Imagineers and 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 like what they were and what they did, and I was just completely blown away so I could totally understand like you said you you're you know you're fangirling over all this artwork that you're seeing and I can't imagine the sort of rush that you feel when you get a new piece of artwork that maybe nobody else has seen outside of of that company and you're just like this is pretty cool this is a pretty special occasion for me you know like you said that was definitely one of the early things I did in like the shared folder where all these images lived was like I'm just gonna open up my tiny laptop screen (laughs) just like it's gonna take a while because there was so much but like look at everything because at the vast majority of that concept art no one else had seen well no one else outside of right yeah amongst all of your research do you have like a favorite story or fact that you learned throughout the process or like a favorite piece of concept art that you laid eyes on just something that really stuck with you or maybe a, a moment of of realization of like wow this is just this changes how I view Disney parks or this changes how I view galaxy's edge. Like, was there one of those moments or even several of them where something just really stuck with you? There were several, I guess I found so many things to be impressive. 
just kind of as far as like the scope like seeing kind of blue sky like imagine imagining in action and how they just didn't they just went there you know they threw things at the wall and explored them um so the sheer scope the sheer quantity of of ideas and art they generated and I, i'm sure i didn't even see all of it is flooring um but one thing in particular my favorite like concept and that they were just kind of noodling around with uh, is ellie who is this precious precious baby um it's not a baby she's pretty, <laughs> she's pretty big she's uh, pretty big yeah she's pretty big um and she's a she's a fairy, which I got to name because um, I wrote a picture book about her called Ellie and Me, which getting to name a Star Wars creature, whole other uh, tangent in which I squeal about a lot. But Ellie is this idea they had for kind of a walk around creature that folks could ride. And Scott told me, you know, they got so far as, oh, first of all, like a lot of people did some concept art, but Ian McKay did some concept art of Ellie and it's Ian McKay. Yeah. yeah so. And I don't, yeah, I'm looking at it right yeah. now. It's 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 incredible stuff. It's really adorable too. You got like the you got Ellie licking an ice cream cone in here. Gosh, I mean, come on, so cute. <laughs> and I don't know that I had known before I looked at. I don't know if I knew that Ian McKay worked on Galaxy's Edge concept art until this book. I don't remember if I knew that or if we knew that. Yeah, this was that was new to me. So I think I don't think it had been really that publicized before. To be honest, and that was a cool surprise. And yeah, Ellie, they went so far as to like try to build like models and see how it could work. But kind of Scott's talked about like ultimately like it's, you know, 14 acres and you want it to be busy. And if there are a lot of people walking around, maybe a massive (laughs) creature trying to walk around isn't the most practical of ideas, Mm -hmm. but just that they just kind of just didn't let, you know, and that's kind of part of the blue sky. Like you just see, you don't let uh, physical practical constraints, like hold you back. You brainstorm and, and you come up with cute things like Ellie. And I mean, it's great too to see that. Yeah, you you get you did get to write Ellie and me, which I mean, the cover alone's adorable. Although it's a little bit of a smaller fairy. It's like a a little little like puppy size yeah. fairy, which is adorable. You know, and the and the follows the character of Salju who works at the Black Spire Station. So it's just like a little. It's just like a great book. It looks so fun, and the colors are so vibrant. And to see that kind of originated from this idea of Ellie uh, as it was related to the park and follow, you know, having this, this animatronic creature kind of follow a path throughout the park. Uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Oh, that book is so cute. And I, just like Scott really loved Ellie and got attached to her. And he was like, I want to tell her story somehow. So that's why we got to do the, the picture book. And Anna Davis Court did the art for that. And baby Ellie, especially too, too <laughs> cute. There's a lot of different unused concepts in here that, like you said, a lot of times it's just to see what what can work and like what can we come up with. It's not necessarily anything that would have been feasible or anything that they wanted to do completely. But I think part of the imagineering process is just brainstorm, like you said, and and come up with ideas and test the limits. So, how do you think that this book? gets that across and like for for somebody who is maybe thinking of buying it or or is a disney parks fan like how do you think this will change their appreciation for the uh design process of of galaxy's edge and also just as a as a disney parks or star wars fan like what what will this add to 
heighten that appreciation and, and even relating it to your own experience of how it's changed your view? Yeah, I think it's one of the, the cool things about, well, many cool things about the art in this book is that it is a product of not just Imagineering, but also Lucasfilm. And they had this really close collaboration from the beginning, um, beginning, like early days of when they're like, hey, we want to do this land. It's like, well, let's, let's go to the folks who really know Star Wars well and can, can work with us on that. So I think it's neat to see that partnership and to see it also just like how much you know you, when you think of the art of books of course those are for films and and that's what we're used to seeing but to see books like Eric Timmons and Rick Lim designed for a, you know, a world that's quite different because it's permanent film sets come and go you can get away you know you can budge a lot in a film set because it only has to maybe be there for an afternoon or a week and Galaxy's Edge, like it's there, and people are going to look at it from every which angle. Um, every which angle, yeah, that's uh, that's what I'm trying to say. But yes, <laughs> and we'll take photos of all of it from every angle, mm-hmm. and it has to withstand <laughs> Florida humidity, um, yeah, and rain, and and California's blistering sun. And so I think that when you think about all those factors and look through the book and see just kind of the different um, styles of art, the different pieces that different artists brought to the table. Like I highly encourage looking at, you'll probably start to recognize some of the artists sign their pieces in the image, but not all of them. So the caption is the way to see, but you'll start recognizing, oh yeah, Ryan Church did this one too. Or this is also Andrew Domachowski. And look how that plays with this one. Or like, you can say like, oh, they seems like they really went to like Rick Lim did a lot of like, kind of like looser studies with lighting and and um just full of people and so I hope that folks will appreciate I mean yes like people put a lot of artists put so much thought and work into you know not just the big attractions but every part of the land and also that I think the passion comes through everyone I talk to love Star Wars and if I'd never interviewed folks before which was a lot of them you know, we definitely just started off by like, hey, what, like, let's, like, just without even my prompting, like, them sharing their memories of their their childhood with Star Wars or, like, how excited they were when they kind of found out about the project. So I think there's just that kind of, like, it's reassuring when you, like, enjoy a place and, you know, that, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, the people who made this also really enjoy it and were super stoked. It's not, and it wasn't just like, all right, we're just doing this job yeah. because we have to you know <laughs> which right jobs can be like that and that's fine i certainly uh, get that but it was cool that everyone was so and still excited about it like multiple years later <laughs> because again i was doing these interviews and they've been working on the, that land since 2014 2015 so mm-hmm. that everyone was still like yeah, I'll talk to somebody about that and not like, uh, what? It's been, <laughs> it's been so long. Um, I think that speaks to enthusiasm and, and love for it as well. Yeah, I think on the outside looking in, you think it's just a, another park in Disney. But when you really dig into what you've put into this book and all of the research that you've done, like you said, it's, it is incredible to see just how much of a feat it is to accomplish, you know, it's not, it, this is, I mean, it is really crazy when you think about it. Like you said, I hadn't considered 
the weather conditions or the fact that this is really the first time these sets are being built with a full 360 degree view. You know, those are just things that you take for granted when you get there. But realizing, you know, how much how much the construction took on people and in, in, in the design process, it's just it's just amazing. And it just makes me want to go there that much more. So I think the book does its job in terms of advertising the parks. <laughs> But also making you feel that curiosity and that wonder of just like how, uh, not necessarily like movie making magic, but like park making magic and, and just like how, how Disney does it, you know, and, and, and there's still so much I don't understand how they do and, and how they approach things. You know, they mentioned in the book that when they were in the, on, their on location research, they were taking, you know, close up photos of the ground to get to the, get the exact texture of the, the gravel road and, and all these things that you just never think of, but that's how their minds work. And that's the brilliance of, you know, Imagineering. Yeah, they really look like ground things in reality. And I, I think that makes such a difference. Like when you're walking around and you're like, oh, that tangle of wires up here, that was probably like inspired by somewhere like in Marrakesh or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How excited are you to go back to Galaxy's Edge? I know we're kind of seeing the horizon of the pandemic, hopefully sooner rather than later. Obviously, it's still very bad, but I know tickets have started to go on sale for Galaxy's Edge. Some people are returning to Disneyland uh, and Disney World. Are you excited to get back to it eventually? And, and like, what do you feel is going to be like the first thing that you do once you're back in the park and like once you're back in that, that happy place? Yeah, I wasn't sure how I'd feel about, you know, even looking that that I'll be fully vaccinated in a week, like thinking ahead, you're like, it's just going to be weird to go out in the world and be around people. And it's going to be weird. It's going to be an adjustment. But I wasn't sure. I'm like, well, how will I feel about theme parks? But I booked a Walt Disney World trip for December. And I'm already like really stoked about it. And like <laughs> earlier than December, um, because I really want to go back. I, I missed it. I went from you know being a very fortunate SoCal person who went to Universal or Disneyland uh, once every couple months. At, you know, at certain points when I was a pass holder, once a week I would go to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't wait to go back. I feel at least in the moment, like I think it is still going to be like, oh, people, what is this? But I feel excited and I really want to go. I haven't been to the galaxy's edge in florida since it opened i was there before it opened for a shoot when i was still at disney so it's kind of going to be fun to see that full of people and i really i actually the the galaxy's edge thing i have not done is i have not been on rise of the resistance yet um as it is fully ready yeah i went i went on an early like a couple months before it was show ready so at least i knew like what it was about and kind of the gist Mm -hmm. of it but i'm like i just so I can't wait to go on the actual <laughs> attraction. <laughs> I want to see Kylo Ren so bad. I just that's that's what I'm the most excited about for that ride. It's just going to be incredible. But that that'll be exciting that you get to go back in December. And yeah, it is kind of weird to think about. Obviously, as we as we start to go back to some sort of normalcy with all of the safety precautions still in place as needed, and um, you know, doing what's right. And it kind of gives you that hope that, you know, there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and we'll get through this and then we can start to return to our own Star Wars family and start forming those new adventures together in real life. And uh, for now, I get to read this book in the comfort of my home and pretend I'm at Galaxy's Edge while I'm reading it. And that's sort of the, the wonderful thing. That's what it does with all of this just, you know, beautiful artwork and, and, and this just 
It's great. It comes at the right time is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm happy. And I'm happy. Yeah, I feel like uh, to your point, if we were kind of still looking at uh, a while before we got vaccines and, and just like it would just I feel like kind of be a taunting you like cool, <laughs> cool theme park book. Maybe I'll go there again one day. Right. Maybe theme parks will exist still. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, but I do feel like the timing is is good and we're all starting to feel like we can meet up at Oga's Cantina yeah. or for Ronto Wraps one day. <laughs> now, you've had a very busy year to start to, to close out here. And uh, again, you've written Ellie and Me. You did The Jedi Mind from Chronicle Books. You wrote your first piece of Star Wars fiction this year and, and from a certain point of view, which I, I talked to you about back in November. And, and then you have the art of, of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So this is all within the, just the last year alone on top of, of Women in the Galaxy. So just looking back at this last year, like since the pandemic has begun and still being able to be involved in these projects, what has it meant to you? And just like, what have been some of your favorite Star Wars memories throughout the year? Because I, I think, you know, as we reflect today with May the 4th and think about how far we've come, but also how many memories we've still been able to form virtually and from our homes and still be connected to people in the Star Wars community? Like, what's that been like from, from your perspective as, as an author and as, as somebody who is also a fan? I say fandom and like the folks I know, like uh, on Twitter, like, just like yourself and so many I, I um, connect with have all been very kind and supportive, like of books, which is always exciting. Like it is that kind of little ego boost. It's nice to hear like when people are happy that you have another Star Wars book. And I feel thankful that I have had projects because I don't know if I'm the only writer that feels this way. I, I feel like it's probably not, but like, I feel like every book is going to be the last one. And especially like when it's for a licensed property, that they're going to be like, uh, no, she's done. <laughs> um, we, we think we're good. She's finished writing Star Wars books. So it's always like a pleasant, like pat on the back when they're like, when I get it, when I get to do another one, when I'm like, okay, they have, I'm not kicked out of the club yet. Thank goodness. And my favorite, just getting to write a fiction story in Star Wars was incredible, first of all. And, and then, as you know, because we we popped by to your podcast together, like getting to do podcasts and interviews with other authors, you know, I mostly teamed up with, with Jason Fry and Mike Chen. And Mike and I had the same agent and in the early days of from a certain point of view Empire Strikes Back we knew like we could tell each other because we had an agent in common so it wasn't that kind of like right you had to keep a secret about it and just like like he was so excited to be writing Star Wars it was his first Star Wars project and I'm sure still is but just having that like just getting to share that like oh like we're both writing a Star Wars fiction <laughs> canon story and then getting to like come back when the when the book came out and and talk about it and like we're all just star wars nerds <laughs> um yeah and, yeah and it's good to just like kind of connect in that way and just are like oh, we're really doing this kind of way and experiencing what this is like together and so i'm i'm grateful that i've been keeping busy and that i've had like and also other authors are super supportive and kind. Like Jason mm -hmm. Fry has been a great mentor for me recently, which I really appreciate. So what, Yeah, what and you and you both dropped books on the same day yes. uh, last week. So <laughs> you know, it's like you're you're doing you're in this together. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So, and there are more, yeah. more good things to come. Good. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. You know, you said that last year and then you decided to, <laughs> to publish four books. So uh, let's see what happens next. I'm very excited. Although, you know, speaking of four books, uh, you published four books in the last year. Uh, Taylor Swift only recorded three albums. So you know you can think of it in that. Think of it in that perspective that you've you've truly won up to Taylor. And I bring her up because in your acknowledgments page, you said, you know, you thank Taylor Swift and, and Ludwig Gorenson for helping you power through. So uh, do you do you have what's what's your soundtrack look like? What's your Spotify wrapped look like for uh, for those moments when Amy is hard at work at her desk? <laughs> Pounding away on the keyboard and coming up with words. <laughs> I <laughs> I don't want to say like I'm embarrassed because I'm not embarrassed of the the scores <laughs> or musicians I listen to. I will stand beside them, but I am embarrassed of how many times I listen to things because I will go on repeat. So it kind of tends to be my project. The art of uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge during the writing process was like nonstop Mandalorian season one soundtrack uh, over and over. You could just. And then when it came time to editing, I just like really became a Swifty last year because I just kind of had this moment when Folklore came out that I was like, you know, I only know a little bit of Taylor Swift's music and I got time. So I went through her entire catalog because, and I'm so glad I did. So when I was editing, like from, because I think Folklore came out in July. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of editing from July to October-ish or like doing various bits and pieces like non-stop mostly folklore um some uh, 1989's a really good one too I really and I liked her oh, I like love that album so good yeah. so that's but, the next one from the from the uh, Taylor's version good. I've heard oh, word on the street I can't wait <laughs> so yeah so currently my like non-stop repeat is um the shadow and bone uh soundtrack by joseph trapanese that scores great but it's usually very good it's usually scores that i go hard but i can almost think back to like every book like oh yeah that was what i was listening to the witcher score like all the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah soundtracks power me through like college star wars soundtracks and howard shore all day every day I think my Spotify wrapped, I was a little embarrassed by it because it's like, your number one artist is Ludwig. Your number one song is The Mandalorian. And I'm like, I'm not going to share this publicly. It was like, on, Mar on March uh, 13th, which is when the pandemic was like, you listen to The Mandalorian theme 143 times. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? And it's like, oh, I'm going to keep that one private. <laughs> oh, so I'm having a very good, like, oh, it's not just me moment right now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're all in the same, we're all in the same Ludwig boat, thankfully. But I just wanted to thank you for all the work that you have done this year. And when we start to look ahead at, at what's next, is there anything that you wanted to discuss before we start to wrap up? Yeah, I have my first non-Star Wars book, my first actually ever like book that's just mine and isn't somebody else's IP coming out on May 4th called A Kid's Guide to Fandom. Awesome. That's a middle-aged novel. Um, that's not a novel. It's a nonfiction book. I know. I promise. Um <laughs> that's really cute and just meant to like help kids like feel comfortable being geeky and finding finding their communities and other folks who are into the same things as, as they are. Um, so I'm stoked about that. And I, I don't, I might have something else to announce on May 4th. I'm not sure um, that's related to Star Wars, but I definitely have Star Wars things coming up at a TBD date, which I'm stoked about. Very, very excited to hear that. And as you close out this chapter on on the art of uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, 
what would your kind of parting words be to this this project you know this this chapter in your life as a as a writer and really just at the end of the day like what has it has it meant to you it's the kind of book I didn't think I'd really ever get to write largely because there's not a lot of art of theme park books uh, and the art of Star Wars books Bill Shosak wonderfully handles uh, the large portion of the film books and he's you know embedded in the art department so it's he just has you know, he's right there he has all the access um so I didn't think I'd get to do a book like this so from our personal like and right like professionally because personally I love like reference I, I collect Star Wars books in general but I will always buy reference once I don't have them because I've gone to those At one I just am curious I like to know all those behind the scenes um decisions and facts and I've referred to those so many times over the years for articles. They're just like my own little Star Wars research library. So to get to have like a book that's like now part of that is is personally pretty special and professionally very surreal. Yeah, they have some of the the best nuggets of information in in these books sometimes and it, it's so fun to comb through and like I said this book is just so well researched, has such a variety of perspectives and really just captures the the magic of of galaxy's edge so uh once again thank you for writing this amazing book and thank you for coming on the podcast today this was so so great to have you back and hopefully a year from now i'll have you back to talk about your next four books in star wars i hope hope so i think (laughs) (laughs) we'll see but uh amy thank you so much Uh, happy may the 4th to you i hope you enjoy your day and and enjoy the bad batch especially i know you're a big animation fan but are you excited for the bad batch i have seen the first two episodes and oh thank you disney plus for screeners and (laughs) i am i'm yes i'm excited i went in and i was like I'm excited, but we'll see. But now I'm like, yes, all in. All in. That's that's <laughs> awesome to hear. Well, yes, this is wonderful to have you on once again. And where can people find you online to to close out? Well, thank you for having me on, Brad. Um, I'm always happy. I love getting to talk to you. That's great. Uh, and folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy underscore geek. You can find my newsletter at amyratcliffe.substack.com. I forgot how website addresses work for a second. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> and that's all. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you once again, Amy. And until next time, may the force be with you. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Friends of the Force. Make sure wherever you're listening to follow the podcast for our latest updates on new episodes and leave a five-star written review to help others join the Friends of the Force Star Wars discussion. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And if you want to support the show, you can also consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash friends of the force thank you to all of our current patrons adam amy anna brian brian cheryl deborah donnie elegy jesse knights of ren levi Lindsay, marie claire neil rachel sarah skytalkers and t that is all for this week thank you so much for listening and until next time may the fourth be with you always <laughs>